0: Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, we wanna welcome you to Milestone Church. We wanna welcome those of you watching online, those of you at our McKinney campus, and also those of you in Hazlitt. Would Would you join me in welcoming them? Maybe you're here at Keller at a video venue. However you're here, we're so glad that you're joining us this Palm Sunday weekend. You're like, what is that, it's okay? if you didn't know what Palm Sunday was, you didn't know you were coming to Palm Sunday, as we're gonna see in a moment, you're in good company. The very first Palm Sunday, most people didn't know what was happening, but a simple way to think about it is that it's the start of Easter week, Passion week, Holy week, we're gonna talk about why that's important. If you, have a, if you brought a kiddo, or maybe you'll see this somewhere here at our, one of our campuses, we, we prepared a special family devotional for you this week so that you have a way to think about it and talk about it and get your heart ready as we move to this very special week leading up to Easter. Like I said, you might be wondering, well Jed, I, I don't really know what, what, what that is. Why, why is it a big deal? And we're gonna talk about it. You're like, what are you trying to, to do this weekend? What's the goal? Well really simply, here's my goal for you. I want us to understand why Palm Sunday is important. I want us to see what it shows us about the nature and character of this God we look to. And then I wanna see how it helps us understand how God moves in our lives. You know, one, one way to think about what was happening that very first Palm Sunday is they had a sense that something really big was happening. It was important, it was significant. It captured the imagination of the city of Jerusalem and really the whole region was paying attention. What is going on? But it didn't happen the way they thought it was gonna happen. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. I'm sure it has. Maybe you thought, I I think something big is happening in my life. I I would like some help. I would like some information. Maybe maybe God could show me what's happening in my life so I I know how to navigate this because it's a really big deal and I'm not sure I know how to do it. I I don't know when the last time that happened to you was. It's happened to me many times in my life. I think about one time it happened. I I wanted to go skydiving and I was in my 30s, and, and I had some friends who were special forces. They're like, Jed, you don't even need a parachute. Just come with us, and you can jump with us. It'll be fine. My wife's like, What are you talking about? You can't do that? At least not until we have all of our kids. Then you can go. And so that's basically what happened when we were 40. I was all excited and went and skydived. I, I was thinking about this one that was another moment. You know, I was thinking back to the birth of our first child, my daughter Isabel. Um, we were excited, it took us a while. We were trusting God, we g- finally got pregnant and then that day was coming and, and, and I'd like to tell you I knew what I was doing, I didn't. But, but I trusted God that he was gonna help me through the process. I'll never forget, about three weeks before the due date, my wife turns to me on a Sunday, which is a work day, and I had a bunch of church responsibilities and later that afternoon, I was supposed to lead the men in a big football game to build fellowship and camaraderie and where I could win and all these things were happening. And so she goes, I'm not feeling like normal, I I think we need to go talk to the doctor and I wish I could tell you something different happened. Here's what I said to her when she said, I need to go to the doctor, mind you we're three weeks, she's pregnant, nine months pregnant, this was my first no lie, this is what I really said, how long is it gonna take? (laughs) Yeah, that really happened, I I didn't know what I was doing. And so we go, and the doctor goes, guess what, you're having this baby. And I said, say what, we're doing what now? Um, I haven't packed a bag, I haven't gotten ready. He's like, well, she's going to the hospital, and so you'd probably wanna come back. So I came back, and I prayed, and I was getting my faith up, and you know, we were in there in the room, and, and it was like, breathe, breathe, and that was the nurse talking to me, and so <laughs> it happened. Whether I was ready or not, later that day, right before, you know, 11.30 at night, there was our little baby girl, and and it was a big moment in our life, but it did not happen the way I thought it was gonna happen. I don't know if you can relate to that. Maybe there's been a moment where something big was happening, and you you thought you knew, you thought you were ready, and in that moment, you feel tension, you feel anxiety, you don't wanna mess it up, You, you know it's important, you're looking for information, you're looking for assurance. We don't, honestly, we don't know how to respond. I don't know if you've been in a situation where people are, a crowd of people are rustling around and it's like some important's happened. Now, what do we all do? We just pull out our phones and start recording, right? Like every recording you see of a big moment, there's like 50 people with their phones. We don't know what's happening, but we're just ready for it. We, we're trying to figure out how do we respond to these big moments. I think Palm Sunday gives us an incredible window into when God's doing something big and we don't know what's happening. Here's how we should respond. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 35. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. If you're following along online, you probably guessed. I'm gonna read it to you, we'll put it on the screen. We want you to be able to follow along with it. You might be wondering, Jed, why would, why would Jesus do it this way? Why would these big moments happen and we don't understand and we're kinda of slow to figure this out? Maybe if you've read the Bible some, you realize this is a theme all throughout Scripture. And I think the reason is because God's always looking for us not to have it all figured out, not to know which expert necessarily to turn to, not to know exactly what to do, but to lean into him, to trust him, in big moments and small moments. To, to, our first thought should not be like, I gotta handle this myself. Our first thought, our first moment should be, I'm gonna lean into this God who loves me, which brings us back to Palm Sunday, Luke 19. I wanna just give you a little context Here's what's happening, you know, in the in the gospels, the the stories about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, there's only 10 times where all four of them cover the same moment in Jesus' life. You probably could guess that Palm Sunday is one of those moments. There were people coming from all over, huge crowds. As we celebrated communion a moment ago, if you were following along with us, uh, communion was, uh, uh, the first time communion happened was at the celebration of the Passover, which annually, every year, for hundreds of years, the Jewish people would celebrate this holy day, this moment where God delivered them. So there was a huge crowd of people coming to Jerusalem as they did every year in preparation for the Passover. But John tells us there was also another big crowd that was coming because they'd just seen Jesus raise his friend Lazarus from the dead. You ever been in a place where there's lots of people and there's a commotion over the crowd and you're like what's everyone doing we were were just recently with my oldest son taking him on a college preview trip and we were in a big city and whenever there's people in line and there's people buzzing around it's human instinct to just kind of go hey what's happening over there am I missing out on something and we want to see so that's a little bit of what was happening in this moment as well but Jesus comes along intentionally and he tells the disciples go over to this person's house. Like, how's this for a job? Go over to this person's house and tell them to grab a donkey, and if they got one, grab a colt too. And he's like, well, what do we tell them, Jesus? And the first time Jesus ever refers to himself this way, he goes, tell them the Lord needs it. So they were just, okay, we went and did that. And they weren't really understanding what was happening. Jesus is being intentional here. 500 years before, there was this man named Zechariah. God spoke to this man, and he told them one day, in one of the greatest moments in world history, a king is gonna come, and he's gonna come riding into the city of Jerusalem, and he's not gonna come as a king, as a champion on a war horse. He's gonna come as a king of peace riding a donkey. And so 500 years previous, God had spoken this. The disciples didn't understand, but Jesus did. He's fulfilling this moment that they'd been looking forward to. Also in that same book, the book of Zechariah, 500 years before, he says this king's gonna come riding from the Mount of Olives and he's gonna enter Jerusalem from the Eastern Gate and that's how you know he'll be the one. You're like, yeah, this this is kinda crazy. This is the ancient world and you're talking about kings and gates. Can you make it make more sense to us? I was thinking about it this week. Try to think of it this way. What captures the imagination of a whole city? What becomes this huge moment of celebration? Kinda in our world, it would be like the ultimate victory parade. Now for my international friends, this is a World Cup year. Maybe you're thinking about the World Cup. Imagine if your team won the World Cup, how your city might react, how your home might react. Now imagine if you're an American, imagine if your team won the Super Bowl. Wherever you're from, we have people from all over the country who have different teams. Cowboy fans, um, I I haven't said anything yet, so don't get mad at me. (laughs) I kid because I love, it's Palm Sunday, I don't know if you have that much faith, but anyways, (laughs) I couldn't help it. Just seeing if you're paying attention, right? Like imagine if your team, like I grew up a Seahawks fan, we were terrible forever, we finally won the Super Bowl, we may never win another one, but we won one, and it caused a huge stir and everybody was excited. It was a moment like that Everyone is watching, Jesus comes riding into the city. Let's pick up the story here. Luke 19, verse 35, they brought it to Jesus, being the donkey, and they threw their cloaks on the colt, and they put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road, and when he came near the place where the road goes down, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd and disciples of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all of the miracles they had seen. Here's the interesting thing about the city of Jerusalem having been there, one of our team members took this picture. Everything is so close together as you can see there. That's inside the gates. There's the, there's the temple mount that you can see there. Over on the left side, over there is, is where the upper room happened. We're looking kind of the, from the perspective and I'm gonna show you a different picture. But, but when you see these stories, it's easy to think about, oh, it's this huge region that's spread out. It was all right there next to each other. And this is not just the moment where all the story of Jesus played out. This is where the people of God's history goes all the way back to King David. And you're talking about hundreds and even thousands of years of history in this one spot. And here's this Jesus coming in in this incredible moment. It's all happening. This huge moment. Look what it says. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, If you're reading in your Bible, your Bible probably has that offset. The reason it's offset is it's quoting a psalm. This was one of their ancient songs they sang every year at the Passover. In fact, as you go along this Easter week, you may notice that on Thursday night, on the night when they're celebrating the Last Supper, the Bible says they sang a hymn together before Jesus went to the garden. It was this hymn that they were singing. Blessed is the king, who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a huge moment, and so the religious leaders noticed some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus said, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry. Remember, if you've heard the Palm Sunday story, you've heard this little detail in the story. I remember as a kid thinking about this idea that the stones would cry out. I was like, whoa, that's weird. Like an inanimate object would like sprout a mouth and bust out into a chorus. It seems weird for my mind to comprehend, but I think I thought about it a little differently this way. In all the years I've read the story, I've never seen this. Look, this is a picture from the Mount of Olives. As you were to approach there, that eastern gate, we're looking directly, this is a picture I actually took, standing on the Mount of Olives, looking at that. You may notice in the foreground, all of those little white boxes, those are actually tombstones. You're like, Jed, why would there be tombstones on the Mount of Olives? Well, the idea, again, back to Zechariah 14, 500 years previous, was that when this king came, he would enter on this eastern gate and he would take all the people with him. Think about this, I never thought about this. The Pharisees are seeing what's happening, they know what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I'm the promised king everyone has been waiting for, God's chosen anointed one who's gonna change the world. The Pharisees are like, stop saying you're that, as that would escalate through the rest of the week. And when Jesus said the stones would cry out, what if he wasn't talking about inanimate objects on the side of the road, what if he was talking about tombstones? That out of the tombstones, the dead would rise to sing his praises. That's a totally different level of celebration, a totally different level of king. But this is what he's saying. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it and said, Interesting, the only other time in scripture where we see Jesus weep is when his friend Lazarus dies and he sees the brokenness of their sisters, of his sisters. Jesus is so moved by this moment, he cries and he says, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes, the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an encampment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side, they'll dash you to the ground and the children within your walls, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming. It's intense, it's heavy, it actually happened. Can we go back to that picture? Jesus in this prophecy is talking about the year 70 when these very same Romans would destroy the city of Jerusalem. I never thought about this till this week. You know, one of the first things that they did symbolically to show that this king was not coming to save them, one of the first things they destroyed, actually, in this picture, it's not the original one because this one is the rebuilt one that's been destroyed. Look at this little circle there. That there is the eastern gate. And this eastern gate that Jesus walked through, only 40 years later, it's destroyed and brought to the ground. You're like, Jed, why are you belaboring this point? Here's what I want us to see. Palm Sunday shows us Jesus' heart, Jesus' love for us, the unspeakable, unimaginable depths to which he went so that people could be with God. He was not a king who came in on a war horse who said, you better work really hard to come up to me. I am strong in battle, I demand your worship. He came as a humble servant riding a donkey to get as close as he could to the people so that they could be with him. What an incredible picture of his love. And I I would say to you, it wasn't just one day where he demonstrated this character, this is who he is. The same Jesus who rode into Jerusalem to announce announce his kingship, rides into your life, rides into my life, wondering, will we catch, will we see the moment that he comes to visit us? Will we know the things that make for peace? Something big was happening, but they couldn't see it. Why couldn't they see it? Well, they didn't expect God to do it this way. See, if we go back to Matthew 16, when when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And they said, you're the son of God, you're the Christ. And Peter's like, look how awesome and smart I am. Jesus says, don't tell anybody. The Bible says that in that moment, he turned his face and he set his face towards Jerusalem, that he was resolute, that he put his eyes on the target of the moment of the cross. Why, because he was doing something that only God understood. See, the people couldn't understand this king that was a messiah who would suffer and die. Those two things did not mix together. See, a king would come and destroy the Romans. A king would come as a political leader. A king would not come as a servant who laid down his life. But this is what Jesus was doing. See, the people were like, deal with our problems. Overthrow the government. And God was like, my eyes are so much set on a higher goal. Maybe you're watching online and you're thinking about, I wish God would deal with my annoying boss. I wish God would change the political system. And God is looking at your life and he's looking at my life and he's saying, my goal is so much greater. I'm not trying to remove people. I'm trying to remove sin and death and evil, the things that'll kill your soul. We miss God when we make it about small, petty things that are about our convenience instead of deep, lasting things that are about His peace and His power. Jesus said, you don't even know the things that make for peace. Can you relate to that? I know I can. I think in my mind, if I had a vacation, if I had a break, if I had this, I'd feel so much more peaceful. And then you get those things and you realize those things had no power to deliver what had been promised. But I might be in a stressful moment, I might be in an anxious moment, I might be at a moment where it's literally life or death, but when the Prince of Peace comes into that moment, everything changes. I would suggest to you that nothing has changed. That the way you and I find peace is not making the world the way we want it, but receiving a king who makes the world the way that he wants it. Therein has a, a You might be wondering, okay, Jed, well, I, I'm starting to see it now, can you help me? You said it's the beginning of Easter. Well, I, I wanna make it a little bit more simple before I make it practical. Let's think about if this is the beginning of Easter week, what happened the rest of the week? Well, he starts on Monday there. This is Sunday, and on Monday, he begins to practically set things in order. He, he, maybe you understand, the, remember the story of where he curses the fig tree and he cleanses the temple. It's a picture of purification. It's a picture of preparation for what's to come. On Tuesday, they call it Busy Tuesday. Three different moments. He's, he's teaching three different audiences and then he's confronting religious leaders three different times, a lot of emotional energy coming out of him on this busy Tuesday. What does he do on Wednesday? Well, he rests. He goes to be with his father. We do not really even know what he was doing. We know that the chief priests were conspiring on how to kill him. He, he knew what was coming on Thursday, so on that Wednesday, he gives us a great picture. If you're in pressure and you're in anxiety, don't try to do more. Maybe t- do a little less, spend some time with your father and allow him to restore you and replenish you. Look at that Holy Thursday. All the things that we think about, what we just celebrated in communion, the Last Supper, the Garden of Gethsemane, the betrayal, the arrest, standing at, at Caiaphas's house being thrown in a jail, all this is happening late Thursday night. By the time Friday morning rolls around, Good Friday, by early, early in the morning, He's, he's standing in front of, he's being scourged. He's in front of Pilate. Pilate's trying to give a reason to get to, to let him go. The people cry out, crucify him. He ends up on the cross by 9 a.m. 9 a.m., he's on the cross. The most you know, embarrassing, humiliating, excruciating way that anyone could die. No Roman citizen was allowed to die that way. Beaten, mocked, paraded, crucified, buried, thinking about others, six hours on that tree on that Friday. And then he's put in a tomb, and on that Saturday, the Romans are afraid that the disciples will dig up the body, so they put a a guardian of soldiers there to guard the tomb, but that Saturday, it's still the Shabbat, it's still the day of peace, God rests, Jesus rests in the tomb, and then on Sunday morning, Easter morning, we celebrate, the women go to the tomb thinking they're gonna anoint his body with burial spices, only to find that he's not there, he's alive. He meets the disciples, yes, he meets the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He tells the women, to the the angels tell the women, go get the guys, we're gonna go meet up, they meet up. Everything changes. All of this happens in the span of a week. I don't know, you're like, yeah, is there gonna be a test? Why did you give us all that? Like, what's going on? No, no, it's not a test. It's a reminder, it's not information. It's not religious history, it's a picture of the links to which our Jesus not just our friend not just a friend who sticks closer than a brother not just a religious figure not just a teacher but the king of kings and the lord of lords who came to this world and poured out his life as an offering of love so that you and I could have a relationship with God. Why do I tell you that? Because I don't want you to miss the links he went to show you how much he loves you, how much he loves me. It's not a story, it's not just history. It's a king who came and offered his life so that you and I could live. Why do we study this? So that we know how much he loves us, so that we trust him So when we don't understand what's happening in our lives, we remind ourselves he's a good God who can be trusted. We have a hard time with trust. You do and I do. We have a hard time trusting people who are good at what they do and wanna help us. Did you know that 81% of us lie to our doctors? Every time I say that, doctors come up to me after a service and they go, Jed, it's way higher than 81%. <laughs> Everyone lie. I was like, why do we do that? Because we're worried about how we look. We wanna act like we're better than we are. We're thinking about how they might receive the information if they know what we we're really eating. Like, what do you eat? What's been in your diet? Oh, strictly kale, You know, maybe uh, superfoods, whatever those superfoods are. I thought I saw you at Taco Bell. Not me, no, never. The body is a temple. I would never do that. We, we, we try to put forth this image and we, we do it with our doctors, but we do it with God. As if somehow we could show him, I don't know what you're doing. I think I have a better way. I got a better solution for my life. I don't know if you can relate. Many times I've been in a moment where I was like, God, I really need you to show up. God, I really need, I sense you're doing something big, but I have no idea what you're up to. was thinking about it this week, I, I remember back, all the way back to, 2007, which in my mind doesn't seem that long ago, but talk to a high schooler. It's scary when you realize how long ago 2007 was. Feels like it was yesterday. And I was talking to them and I was thinking about 2007, I was in this, I'd only been my entire life in one ministry setting and I had this sense that God was shifting some things radically. So I was trying to help him shift these things and I was praying, where do I go? Do I go to Vancouver? Do I go to New York? Do I go to Seattle? Do I go to North Carolina? And the only place that wasn't on my radar was Texas. And Pastor Jim said, Jed, I want you to think about this. Go talk to Pastor Jeff. And I was like, well, I love Pastor Jeff, and he's a great friend, so I'll go talk to him. And so I went to talk to him, and I'll never forget, we had a great time, and I was learning about Milestone, and this was way back at Willis Lane. But the last thing on my mind was coming here, and Pastor Jeff was like, I don't really have a job for you, but if you wanted a place to land, this would be a place to land. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to move here. I was like, this doesn't make sense. There's plenty of churches in Texas There's plenty of things that could be good, but the Holy Spirit said, this is where I'm asking you to go. I was like, do you understand? I'm a ginger. I have fair skin. Texas is hot. Lord, you're really smart. Why would you? I'm not into country music. That's not my flow. That's not my vibe. You ever had a conversation with God like that? It's like, I appreciate all of that, Jed. Listen to me. Now, 2022, I think back how my life has changed. My family's life has changed. Two of our kids are here in Texas. All they know is Texas. This is home to them. God does things sometimes when we don't understand. What he's asking us is not to find a better way but to trust him, to lean into him. I don't know what your story is. I don't know that place where you're like, God, what are you doing? Here's what I know, he's doing something and you can trust him. What does Palm Sunday show us? Number one, Palm Sunday shows us God's always out in front of us preparing a way for us. He's out in front of us, preparing a way for us. We have so much apprehension, we have anxiety, we have worry, we know so many things that can go wrong, we can easily fixate on them. You're like, Jed, what are we supposed to do? Well, we just did it a moment ago. Communion, trust, calm your heart, Jesus, so many times in this passage, in this week, he tells his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. It's gonna be okay, guys. I'm going to prepare a place for you so that wherever I go, you may be with me also. He hasn't stopped making that promise to you and I. We get afraid, we get nervous. We wonder what's gonna happen. Now, this idea, we were like, God, where are you? Sometimes we're like, God, where'd you go? I feel all alone, and it's not that we're alone. It's that he's out in front of us, making a path for us. Now, he goes to the cross all by himself. He dies and makes it possible for us to have a relationship with God all by himself. But but those of you in Hazlitt, those of you in McKinney, those of you watching online, he goes out in front, but he always calls us to follow him. And in going to prepare a place for us, he doesn't remove all the obstacles, he doesn't remove all the challenges, he calls us to him through adversity through difficulty through challenge through things that we don't understand through things that we don't even think we're capable of if you know where the story goes what the disciples were headed for it was going to be a lot of rocky days but because jesus had gone before them and prepared a way for them they could trust that he would bring them through whatever he called them to do and that same promise extends to you and i You're capable of more than you realize by the grace of God. And I'm not talking about your salvation and earning right standing with God. I'm talking about following into everything he has prepared for you in your life. If you're interested in that, like I am, I I study all the time about how do we grow into the best version of ourselves? How do we become, how how do we get get developed? How do we become more and more of who God created us to be? I I spend a lot of time reading and so uh, I study this. and, and, And there's a guy who came up with one of the most incredible Research projects ever in this field, and he's so good at it. He has a crazy name. His last name is spelled C S I K E L Y M. You're like, How in the world would you say that? His name is Mihai Cheek Sent Mihai. You have to be really good at what you do for people to understand your name. But I kept seeing his name over and over, and here's what he said. He discovered that human beings grow and develop when they enter what he calls this flow state. You're like, how does that work? That's what I wanted to know. How do I get into a flow state? I'll take more of that in my life. And he said, it's very simple. It comes down to three things. Number one, there's a clearly stated goal. Number two, it's very meaningful to you. And number three, it's at the edge of your ability. How incredible that science, as it usually does, says the same thing that's true in God's word. That that he sees us, he makes it simple, he said, I want you to follow me, I want you to obey me. You're like, Jed, is this how we earn our salvation? No, this is how we overcome the challenges that I promise you are coming. Jesus, in the same week, says, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. What does that mean? That If you just trust Jesus, all your problems go away? No, what it means is, as you keep your eyes focused on him, as you make him the priority in your life, You're able to overcome in a way that you could never do in your own strength. And even the way we understand how human beings grow and change says amen to what Jesus said in his word. Here's the second thing. The second thing is, it's easy to miss the big moments where we can be with God. He wept over the city. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. You're in a moment and things are busy and and here's the problem, you get distracted, I get distracted. Human beings have always struggled with distraction. I think it's probably more difficult now in the world that we live in than ever before. The brightest minds in the world in Silicon Valley are working to get your attention and distract you so they can monetize it. It's a very a very real thing. I was thinking about it this week. Something that it takes focus is a, like the simple act of reading, sitting down and reading. Did you know I read this week that, uh, that since 1978, the number of people who did not read a single book in an entire year, tripled since 1978. We struggle with this. I saw this week that the average American spends 17 minutes a day reading a book and five hours and 20 minutes on their phone. I was talking about it with our team. Now I'm not saying that the phones are bad and reading is always good. I'm not saying that. I'm saying about our ability to focus on one thing has changed radically. And to hear God's voice he typically speaks in a still, small voice. To hear his voice is difficult if we're constantly being distracted. You know, squirrel, and we, we just look at other things all the time. I was talking to my two youngest children. It's hard, they're, they're so used to screens, it's hard for them to focus and quiet themselves. But how, how do we make sure we're not missing the moments with God if we don't have the ability to focus and quiet our mind? and make ourselves available. I, I wanna make this really practical for you. What if this week, what if this week you said, I, I don't wanna miss a moment with God. I don't wanna miss an opportunity to be with him. So just maybe later this afternoon or maybe tomorrow, maybe, maybe on busy Tuesday, maybe on silent Wednesday, you just take a moment, you sit in a chair, you block out all the distractions, you put your phone away you, and you just sit there and you go, Jesus, I, I wanna hear your voice. I don't wanna miss a moment with you. You eliminate the things that could pull you out of that moment. You go, I know it's really possible for all these things to be happening in my life and what I really need is one word from God. We we do that at things like prepare. What if we didn't wait till prepare? What if we just did it as a part of our normal life? Maybe you go on a walk and, and, and you just go on a walk and as you're walking, Jesus did this a lot. He went for a walk and he just talked to his father and he just said, Father, I need you. I need your presence, I need your voice. How would our lives be different? If we regularly did this, I need this. You need this. We all need a moment where we go, God, I don't want to miss what you're doing in my life. It's easy for it to happen. It can happen to any of us. We don't want to miss what God's trying to say to you and I, which brings us to the third and final thing, because usually when God's talking to you and me, he's talking to us about people, about the people in our lives. The third thing is God always comes to us in order to work through us. He always comes to us in order to work through us. He spent so much time on this holy week getting his disciples ready, getting his friends ready. He was trying to encourage Peter and James and John, guys, you're gonna get through this. It's gonna be okay. I'm not gonna leave you. I'm not gonna forsake you. He wasn't just thinking about his friends who he loved. He was thinking about them, but he was also thinking about 50 days later at the day of Pentecost when that Peter would get up preach the message and many of the people who were there on the day of Palm Sunday and they, the day of, uh, of Good Friday would hear the message of Jesus and they would give their hearts to God and their lives would be changed and it would begin the birth of the church which would be this unbroken chain where every nation every place on the planet this gospel message would ring out through all places at all times to every nation to every ethnicity to every person from every kind of background would hear the name of Jesus and would be offered the opportunity to come into a saving relationship with them because of what God did with his friends. And that unbroken chain comes down to you and to me because God worked in them and he worked through them. Your life is different and my life is different. Here's what I know for sure in my heart. God is going to work in the lives of people this week. He's gonna do big things, and it may not look the way we expect. It may be different, it may catch us off guard. We may think, oh, my neighbor is so close. If they just come to Easter service, they're gonna see Jesus for who he is. Maybe that neighbor comes, maybe they're like, "Ah, I didn't like it, I give it a four out of 10. But that person at work who you never thought you were even afraid to ask, you say, would you come? You said they'll never respond. I don't even think they'll sit through the service. And they go, my life. It's changed. We tell you stories about this happening all the time. We tell you stories like a little girl named Bella, she saw a yard sign, asked her grandpa to come. We tell you stories about a guy named Nick at Charles Schwab who brought 10 of his friends last year to Easter and one was Jewish, one was an atheist and people all over his workplace giving their lives to Christ. I heard about Jessica who went to a doctor. She, I think she told him the truth because the doctor invited her to Milestone and she came and gave her life to Christ last Easter. Her life is totally different. Last night after the Saturday service, I was talking and this woman comes up to me, Liz, sweet lady, she said, oh, I love your message, thank you so much. I was like, how long have you been coming to Milestone? She was like, well, you know, I was at, at work and somebody from Milestone in college just came and invited me and I came and I went through 301. Now my life's totally different. What we think it takes, we think we gotta be a Bible expert. I can't remember what Pastor Jed said about Holy Week. It doesn't matter. What matters is you saying, God, I think you could be up to something and I wanna be a part of it. And in that moment, he meets us. But, but here's what I know about Jesus, he's so good, he's so loving, he cares about all of the people in your life. He, he wants so desperately to have a moment with them, but he also wants a moment with you and I. Can you think back, do you know Jesus? Maybe, maybe this right now, maybe in Hazlitt, maybe in McKinney or watching online, this is your moment. You never knew this Jesus. This king who rides on a donkey to say, I give you my peace. I did everything I possibly could, not so that you could earn your way to God. You could never earn your way to God. I brought God to you through my death and resurrection. Maybe this is your moment where you receive him. Maybe you've already received him, but you need a moment to remember this good God who loves you more than you could ever imagine. Let's pray. Jesus, as we approach this, Easter week, as we celebrate this King who gets off his throne to be with his people, the people who, who don't deserve him, the people who fail him, the people who, who, who don't know what makes for peace. He comes to bring them what only he could offer is his peace. Jesus, we celebrate you. We prepare our hearts for you. Lord, I pray every one of us, wherever we're at, wherever our relationship with God, maybe, maybe this is your moment to just say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. I, I see you. I join all those people who say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, and, and I recognize you for who you are. Just in your own words, make it your prayer. Maybe you prayed that prayer many years ago, but you need to just be reminded of this king who's never stopped loving you, never stopped going before you, Never stop making a way who wants to be with you. God, we pray that this week you would do what you always do, change the lives of people, turn the world upside down, announce your goodness and your kingdom. We're so grateful to be in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform we hope you have a great week